Well, our students can go ahead and be dismissed, 6th through 12th grade. They were like, that slide didn't show up. Are we going to have to put up with Steve? I should keep him in there for this one, but that's all right. (laughs) Hey, I've mentioned some of this before, but uh, when I was a kid, I I thought that my parents were just the strictest parents ever. Like, they were strict in where I could go. Like, all my friends were allowed to go ride their bikes wherever they wanted all throughout town. And I had this small radius I was supposed to keep in. They were strict on what I could see. My friends would be watching movies, like grown-up movies that I was not allowed to see. Some of them even watched R-rated movies. I was not allowed to see those. I remember one time I went to one of my friend's houses, and uh, we watched this movie called Iron Eagle, and it was a PG-13 movie. Someone's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I got home, and I told my mom what we had seen, and she got so mad that I'd watched a PG-13 movie. She called my friend's mom and chewed her out. I was so embarrassed about that. Uh, but they were strict on what I could see. They were strict on what I could do. So when I was in sixth grade, this girl invited me to a party. It was going to be my first, like, male-female party. And so uh, her dad was a very well-respected judge in the community. And so I was invited to this party and asked my parents about going. And my, my mom actually called her parents to check on this party. And I was so embarrassed. She's asking about what we're going to be doing and about supervision. And her, her parents assured her, her assured my mom that, that there was going to be, you know, they were going to be there. Everything was going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but again, I was embarrassed that my mom would call. But they ended up letting me go. And so I went to this party, and uh, my parents dropped me off there. And when they dropped me off, I quickly realized that um, my friend's parents lied, that they were not there. And it was my first party where, where um, there was drinking involved. So the kids got into uh, her dad's liquor cabinet and drank, and there were a lot of kids getting drunk and lots of middle schoolers pairing off and going off together somewhere. So again, sixth grade. So... Forgive me if you invite my kids to your house and I'm a little bit distrusting from now on. Uh, <laughs> but that, that happened. My, stri- my parents were strict on my language. Uh, and there were quite a few words I was not allowed to say. I would say like potty words, you know. So I'm sorry if I offend you, but I think this is kind of funny. They, they wouldn't let me say words like poop. Uh, I had to say BM. Uh, <laughs> they, they wouldn't let me say fart. I had to say pass gas. They wouldn't say, let me say uh, pee. I had to say urinate or wet. You know how weird that is to say as a middle schooler, I have to urinate. I, uh, they, they wouldn't let me say but even. I had to say rear end. So I, I hope my parents aren't listening to this online later because they're going to want to kick my butt or rear end. So with how strict my, I perceived my parents to be, uh, there was inevitably some conflict. And it even happened when I was really young. You know, I was like in kindergarten and, and I would get upset with my parents because they wouldn't let me do something that I wanted to do. And so I would throw a temper tantrum because I was five, you know. But I remember uh, there were many instances where uh, they had given me this little, like, plastic briefcase because my parents sold Amway and they had this, like, cheap little plastic briefcase from Amway. And they gave it to me and I liked to carry it around because it looked, made me look like a business executive or something. And so I would put my art supplies in there and art projects. I mean, 
And I remember I would get really upset with my parents and so the, I, I would tell them, I'm so mad, I'm just going to go run away. And I would grab this little plastic briefcase and I'd start to walk out the door with it and my parents would try and talk me out of it, you know. Oh, don't, honey. And, and I would say, forget it, and I'd run out the door. And I think the furthest I ever got was like two houses down before I returned home. But uh, I, I just, I, would, I always thought they were so strict. Now that I'm a parent, I'm probably just as strict or even more strict, except with like the, I let my kids say but, just so you know. <laughs> but for the most part, I, I'm, I'm just as strict with them. Well, if you're, you're jumping in this morning in this series, we've been in the middle of a series called Your Ten Greatest Challenges. And it's a series on the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. Uh, these commandments would establish the framework for our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And today we come to the fifth commandment in Exodus 20, 12. And we're going to put it up on the screen. Let's read this together. The fifth commandment says this, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. Even if you think that they are the strictest parents in the world, honor your father and mother. So, this commandment here, it really marks a shift. So we move from, from these first four commandments that dealt with our vertical relationship with God to now these commandments that are going to guide our relationships with people. Many of you might remember the story in Matthew chapter 22 when Jesus was approached by an expert in the law. And this expert in the law tried to test Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this was a commonly debated question. There were some rabbis who taught that there were, there were great laws or what they would call heavy laws, and there were, there were lesser laws or what they would call light laws. Other rabbis taught that all laws were equally important, that there was no greater commandment, that they were all great. There were others that said, no, 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 they're not all equal in their greatness, but there's equality of reward in keeping the laws. So rabbis debated if there were greater laws and lesser laws, and if there were, which were greater and which were not. And, and, and above all, what's the greatest commandment? So this was a commonly debated question. And so this expert in the law was basically asking Jesus, so what camp do you fall in? What is your yoke? What is your interpretation of the law? And Jesus replied in verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he made this summary statement in verse 40. He said, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, so Jesus basically divided the law into two categories, our relationship to God and our relationship to people. Love God and love people. He said the whole law comes down to that. And that really seems to be the natural breakdown of the Ten Commandments. Again, the first four commandments deal with our vertical relationship with God, love God, and the next six deal with our horizontal relationship with other people, love people. And in this series, for each of these commandments that we've been looking at, we've been issuing a challenge. We've identified a challenge in our lives. So today our attention turns to this fifth commandment, to honor your father and mother. And this commandment brings us our next challenge. And it's a challenge with authority. And the challenge is to grow in humility. To grow in humility. So this, this challenge is one of the most critical challenges to get right as we learn to get along with the people around us. Like it's not always easy to get along with the people around us. Can I get an amen? Right? It can be very difficult sometimes. It can be especially difficult 
to get along with people who are in authority over us. Now, most of us, we, we've learned a, a, a very important lesson, but it's a difficult lesson. Now, I'll say it, it, it's a very freeing lesson if we would truly take hold of it. But for a lot of it, it's a, it's a t- difficult lesson. And the lesson is, the, the truth is, that there are a lot of things in your life that are out of your control. There are a lot of things in your life that are out of your control. And for us control freaks, and I'm saying us here, that's a hard reality, isn't it? And maybe the reason that many of us are so exhausted in life is because we've not fully embraced this reality and we're trying so hard to fight back and get control. And it's exhausting. But think about it. You can vote in a political process, but you don't always get to choose who our leaders are going to be. And oftentimes the people running for office aren't our first choice to begin with, right? You didn't get to choose who your teacher would be or your principal would be. Maybe you got to choose your job, but you probably didn't get to choose who your boss would be. You didn't choose your siblings. My siblings remind me of that often. We didn't choose you, right? You didn't get to choose your mom and you didn't get to choose your dad. In a lot of circumstances in our lives, we just don't have control. I mean, it would be much easier to love and get along with our neighbor if we got to choose who our neighbors were going to be. But we don't always have that luxury. And even when we do get to choose those people in our lives, it's not always easy, right? Just ask my wife. I mean, (laughs) she chose me, and I'm sure it is not easy to love me many days. But in Luke's gospel, when Jesus summarized these, these commandments into loving God and loving others or loving your neighbor, the man then asked a follow-up question. That question was, well, who is my neighbor? And if you know the story, he, he went on to tell the story of the Good Samaritan and basically said in this that your neighbor is anyone that God puts in your path. This includes people that are easy to get along with and people who are difficult to get along with. People who are easy to love and people who aren't so easy to love. People who are very much like you and people who are very, very different from you. They are your neighbors. But the very first people that God puts in our path are our parents. This is why it makes sense that at the beginning of this second set of commandments, as we face challenges to to be in relationship with people around us, we have this command concerning our parents. Now, throughout Scripture... We read that there are, basic, there are five basic human authorities that God has ordained over us. These are parents, employers, husbands, elders, and government. Parents, employers, husbands, elders, and government. And I know that for some reason the husband's one is a hot button issue. Uh, but if I had time, I would take you to Ephesians chapter 5 and show you that this is not some chauvinistic authority, but there is mutual submission in a marriage. And that the husband is commanded to love his wife like Christ loves the church. And if you know how Christ loves the church, you know that he gave, he sacrificed, he he died for the church. So really, all of these God-ordained authorities, these human authorities, are intended to be servant leaders. You know, the husband is supposed to be a servant leader. The elders are supposed to be servant leaders. Our government is supposed to be servant leaders, not lording it over people. But our parents, they are the first authority. They are the first authority figures that God puts over us. And our first experience with authority in our lives tends to shape the way in which we relate to other authorities in our lives. 
If your experience with, with authority with your parents is a struggle early on, if you never learn to honor your parents and, and respect their authority, you're going to most likely struggle with other human authorities that God has ordained in your life. And ultimately, you're probably going to struggle with God's authority in your life. So respect for authorities is to be learned first in the home. And if it breaks down in the home, well, then it's going to break down the schools. It's going to break down in our communities, in our churches, in our marriages, in our nation. I mean, luckily, we, we don't see this happening today, of course, you know, but it might show up, right? It might show up down the road. This is why one of the reasons why this commandment says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. In Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul cites this commandment and he says this. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. He says there's, there's a promise connected to this commandment. He says, so that it may go well with you and that you may live, enjoy long life on the earth. So Paul says that this commandment is, is, is the first one with a promise. And what is this promise? That it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So next time you see someone who is really, really old, you can go, man, that person must have really honored and respected their parents. Last weekend, uh, we took a meal over to Clara Carmichael and Gracie. And I don't, if you know them, Clara, she's 84. She just uh, broke her hip recently. And she takes care of her 96-year-old sister, Gracie. And I just, I, I think to them, I think, man, they must have really honored their parents, right? They have a long life to show for it. Well, this, this promise has, has literal implications if you read Deuteronomy 21. In Deuteronomy 21, 18, it says, If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when he, they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of his town are to stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Yeah, you think they'd be afraid, right? Honoring your parent literally meant a longer life because if you didn't honor them, well, they could have you stoned to death. <laughs> Can you imagine if this happened today, right? Like our, our kids, they'd be texting each other. Hey, have you seen Sally? I haven't seen her for a while. Yeah, yeah, uh, didn't you hear? Her mom shot her. What? Yeah, didn't empty the dishwasher. <laughs> where's Jim? Yeah, dad ran over him with the car. Why? Yeah, bad grades, bad grades. I mean, our, our teens, if, they, if this were happening, they'd be going home, they'd be dusting, vacuuming, washing windows, studying, paying us rent. Now, there's more to this Deuteronomy passage than what I just read. I, I don't think that God really wanted parents to have their sons killed for missing curfew or anything like that. There, again, there's more to it. But the emphasis is that God takes this seriously, that we are to honor our parents. Now, this, this promise attached to this commandment refers primarily to the land of Canaan and, and the people of Israel. This, this commandment possesses what we might call a ceremonial or national promise. But it, it really does have present-day individual application in the same way that all commandments were meant for our good. And, and let's face it, many of us wouldn't be living today if we had disobeyed our parents. Uh, especially some of you men. Like, I, I've seen some of you work with electrical issues 
and with heavy machinery. And I cannot imagine what you were like when you were 12 years old if you would have had access to like a, a four-wheeler or guns or yard tools or even Elmer's glue, right? Your parents told you no, and you are alive today because you obeyed them, right? But the point I'm really getting at is this, that a society will not survive long when respect for authority does not exist. A society will not exist or survive very long when respect for authority does not exist. And if you have trouble with authority, it really indicates a need for growth in humility. Now, to be fair, I, I know that not everyone had a good childhood. They didn't have a great experience growing up. You may not have had good parents, and it's not your fault you had bad parents. For some of you, this commandment brings some discomfort and some pain because it's hard to, to honor a father who abused you. And it's hard to honor a mother who neglected you. It's hard to honor parents that, that cheated on one another or broke their vows or, or parents who just had this way of nitpicking everything that you did, parents who made you feel small, parents who exploited you. And therefore, it may be hard for you to accept God's word in this area because you've been hurt by your parents. But I, I don't want you to be so fast in writing it off. Remember in the opening of these commandments, what we call the, the preamble, God reminded his people that he is the one who brought them out of Egypt, out of the slavery that they were in. He was reminding his people that he is a good God. And he established that before he gave the commandments because these commandments were actually intended to help us, to bless us, to provide a framework for what is best for us. And so in a world where people choose wrong over right, sin over righteousness, and in a world where there are some bad leaders, there are some bad teachers, some bad policemen, some bad parents. How do we still maintain respect for those in authority? Let's, let's look a little more closely at this commandment. Again, the command starts off saying, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That word honor, it's a big word. That word honor literally means to give weight to. To give weight to. So we could, we could read it this way. Regard your father and your mother as heavy or give weight to your father and mother. Now, if your parents are a few pounds over, don't push the little, literal meaning with this uh, too much with them. Just, just remember it. But what it means is that when, you're, when your dad or mom, if they give you a word of counsel or advice, don't take it lightly. Don't brush it off. You give weight to it. And this will change as, you're, as you get older in life. Like in a child's life, when they're young, honor means obedience. Again, I read from Ephesians 6, 1, it said, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We obey in the Lord, for this is right. It's what is right. And if there are kids listening to me, do what your parents tell you to do. And don't huff and puff about it. Make it a joy for your parents to be your parents. Because obeying your parents is always the right thing to do, unless they are asking you to do something that goes against God. The Bible is clear. God's word always supersedes human authority. The only time that God, though, allows children to disobey their parents is to avoid sin. So God never expects a child to participate in a sinful action at anyone's direction. And let me take this a step further. If you are the victim of sinful treatment or abuse, God is not doing this to you. 
It's not God's will for you to just hang in there and tough it out. You need to get help immediately and you need to go to a trusted adult who will make sure you receive proper protection. But honestly, most of the issues with obedience, they have nothing to do whether or not, or whether or not it's a sin. Like when parents ask their children to clean their room, they're not asking them to sin. When they ask them to be home at a certain time, they're not asking them to sin. They're probably helping them avoid sin, actually. But as you get older and more independent, honor means more than just obedience. Honoring your parents might mean not using their home as a bed and breakfast. Share the workload. Don't help out around the house. Don't treat your dad as an ATM or your mom as a personal maid. Some of you are really wishing that this were a family Sunday, aren't you? <laughs> the kids need to be in here for this. You can have them listen to it online, okay? Now, this challenge isn't just for, for children all the way through college students, though. Like, it doesn't say, honor your father and mother when you're young. It just says to honor your father and mother. So this commandment applies to adults as well. If your parents are still living, then how do you honor them? How do you honor them? Well, honor, honoring them may not mean direct obedience, but it still means to give weight to them. So like when, when Sarah and I, when we were looking to adopt our youngest daughter, some of you know that Sarah's dad was very, very opposed to our adoption. So he's not a Christian. He was not seeing adoption through the same lens, through the same filter that we were. Uh, but to honor him meant that we, need to, we needed to listen to what he said and give weight to him. And he did have some legitimate concerns about adoption. Uh, he, he had some concerns about the cost of the adoption, how it would impact our family dynamic, things we needed to consider, and how it could potentially cause a rift between us and him. We needed to give weight to it. But ultimately, we believed this was a calling from God, and we needed to obey God rather than him. And so, there were things, though, that we needed to take into consideration. Whether we agreed with him or not, we needed to give weight to it. Mark Twain once said, When I was 18, I thought my father knew nothing. But when I was 21, I was amazed at how much he had learned in only three years. <laughs> uh, I, I like that. I've, I've certainly felt the same way about my parents. It's amazing how knowledgeable and wise my parents became when I, was, when I went out on my own, Right? And so I still often seek their wisdom and counsel and advice to this day. They've been, a, they've been through a lot more than I have. So we give weight to what they say. You don't necessarily have to obey them, but you should listen to them and honor them in this way. Now, because our parents are human, because they make mistakes, again, to honor them doesn't always mean to obey. In Mark chapter 3, there's this story of when Jesus' uh, family, they, they were coming to Jesus, and it's presumably his, his mom and his siblings, they came to him to try to get him to stop teaching. Well, he had been called by God to do that, right? So he, he didn't stop, right? We must obey God over human authority. In Matthew 10, 37, Jesus said, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. So we need to be very clear as we establish priorities of relationships. Our first priority above all, well, far above all, is to God. If we're married, our second priority is to our spouse. And then our third priority is to other family and on down the line. And a wise parent keeps their marriage a priority over their relationship with their children. Long after the kids are grown and they're out of the house, if you have prioritized the children over your marriage, there's going to be nothing else to hold on to. There's going to be nothing left there. Now, as your parents grow older, 
as you enter into the next phase of life, to honor them means to care for them. You give weight to their needs. You give weight to their needs. You remember that beautiful scene in Scripture when Jesus was on the cross? He made sure that his mother was going to be cared for. And the Apostle John would then take Mary as, as basically as his mother and care for him, care for her from that point on. And it's kind of ironic that John ended up being the longest living apostle. It kind of fulfills that, that promise with that, right? But as, as I was working on this sermon this week, I've been in contact with my parents quite a bit. My mom just had major, major back surgery just a couple weeks ago. It was an over seven-hour surgery. She had like 41 staples. It's just very, very complicated and, and not her first back surgery. But she's had a very difficult time with recovery. Uh, at first, she was in ICU and, and things like that. And now she's in a rehab facility. And unfortunately, uh, because of insurance, don't get me started on that, <laughs> uh, they're, they're sending her home today. I'm not sure why, but they're sending her home today. So there's a chance that I'm going to need to go up to Cleveland at some point to, to make sure that some of their needs are taken care of, physical needs. But that's one way that I seek to honor them is to give weight to their needs. Let's be honest, they gave a lot of weight to my needs for a long time. But unfortunately, there's, there's been this trend, even in the church, to focus so much on, on young people that we neglect our aging. And that's very disappointing to me. Like, trust me, I am a huge advocate of trying to reach our young people. And I believe strongly that mature Christians should be the very first to jump at changing methods to reach the next generation. And, and I've been so, so impressed with, with our older members who have gone above and beyond to make sure that, that faith in Christ is being passed on to the younger generation in a style and in a language that is more fitting for them. But there's been this trend of focusing so much on the young that we then give weight to their wants over the wisdom of our aging, of our older folks. In 1 Timothy 5, 2, Paul says to Timothy to treat older women as mothers. In other words, there should be a high regard for the aging. Speak to them, listen to them, respect them, honor them, treat them like you would your own parents. And so, so before we wrap up, I just want to briefly answer two questions you may be thinking about as we talk through this commandment and its challenge. The first question is, how can I be a parent then that is worthy of honor? And the second is, how can I honor an unworthy parent? And we're not going to be able to spend a whole lot of time on that second one. But understand that these same principles that apply to these answers are going to also apply to other authority figures in your life. So first of all, to be a parent that is worthy of honor, you need to remember that the highest purpose of parenting is to show what God is like. It's to show what God is like. I want my children to see what God is like through my example, through what I teach them, through my love for God, my love for my wife, my love for my children, my love for others. So I want them to know what God is like, see what God is like. So there, here are three attributes I think that we need in order to be a parent worth honoring. And the first one is wisdom, is wisdom. Uh, man, parenting is so hard, isn't it? But as, as a parent, you have been given a God-given authority over your children. But we need to exercise that authority with wisdom. A very famous, well-known proverb, Proverb 22.6 says, start, your children, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. 
Another translation says, train up a child in the way they should go. That's probably how most of us learned that passage. Train up a child in the way they should go. Uh, obviously, we want to train them in, in the, the right way. Lead them into the right way. And there's only one right way. It is the way of life, the way of eternal life. But that doesn't mean that there's just some guidebook that tells you step by step the exact path a child should take to get there. I mean, Scripture lays out principles, obviously, but it does not tell you how to exactly deal with a child who's not sleeping through the night. It doesn't teach you how to, to, to walk with a child as they're learning to read and struggling with that. And so the wording of this passage in Proverbs 22.6, in its original language, implies respect for a child's individuality. Not, not their self-will, but their, their individual characteristics, their, how they're uniquely created. And the emphasis is on the parental duty of training that child. What I'm getting at is that parents need wisdom to raise and train each of their children in the way that they should go. And if you're an effective parent of more than one child, you understand what I'm saying here, is that not every, uh, not every child is the same, obviously, right? And so you can't raise each child in the exact same way. And that's hard. I have three daughters, and they are all very different. As I was working on this exact portion of this message, Avery was in my office, and she was working on some math. And, and let me tell you, this, is, this has been hard for parents, isn't it? I am, I am not a trained educator. So she needed some help with her math. And the way that I helped her is vastly different from the way that I would have helped my older two daughters when they were doing fifth grade math. They're just, they're just different, right? Again, each child is different. They have different needs. They have different love languages. They have different motivations. And I need wisdom. I, I need it. <laughs> to know how to train each of them individually in the way that they should go. The end goal is the same. I want my daughters to love Jesus. Getting there is a little bit of a different story. So wisdom. The next word is sufficiency. I think this is the right word to use here. Sufficiency. I believe parenting is more and more difficult these days. Like, and many of us, we, we fall into a trap that maybe the previous generations didn't have to worry about as much because we're, we are just bombarded with images and messages on social media. And it, it just, it's hard. We fall into this comparison trap as parents. And so there's a temptation to try and find your worth in parenting or to try and live your dreams through your child or to try and be your child's buddy when you, when you need to be their parent. Some parents have become very emotionally dependent on their kids. Maybe it's because their, their marriage is struggling, and so they find some dependence on their kids, or maybe another relationship is struggling, or maybe it just makes them feel better, or maybe they're seeking attention on social media, going, look, look at what a great relationship I have with my kids, you know. But what this really exposes, this, this dependency and this, this lack of sufficiency, it exposes that they haven't found their sufficiency in Christ that's the only place we can find it, right? Like you can't use your authority as, as parents or in any other circumstance in life to find fulfillment or satisfaction in your life. It's only to be found in Christ. So we need, we need to learn sufficiency in Christ. And then the third word, and this is the obvious one, is, is love. Authority without love is destructive. If you want to be a parent worth honoring, then couple your authority with lots and lots of love. Because our, our children, and really anyone under our authority, they need to see in us a love for God and a love for them. 
So these three attributes can help us be a parent worth honoring. I told you I'd I'd address this question, and again, I don't have much time to address it, so I'm going to give you more bullet points for it. But how do we honor someone in authority who is unworthy? First, we need to remember that honor doesn't always mean obedience. Again, especially if they're asking you to sin against God, we, we don't obey that. But we cannot underestimate the power of prayer and the power of our example that we can set for them. We can influence up the authority chain. And we need to be praying for those in authority over us, even if we don't agree with them. And I, I just want to add here, and it, I feel this way, especially in election years, but, but I, I feel this way in general. It's, it's tiring to see Christians bashing and disrespecting people in authority over us. Look, I understand if, if the person in office is someone that you didn't vote for and you don't even think that they're honorable. How as Christians can we respect and honor their position, their God-given position? And I'm not talking about any political party here. This was happening when, when someone else was the leader of this nation and it's happening now, okay? I'm just saying we, we've got to do better. It is the right thing to do to honor those in authority. As Christians, we need to do that. And so how can we do that? We honor, lastly, because Jesus showed us how to do it. He showed us how to do it. Just just look to the power of the cross. The one who had all authority in heaven and on earth. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Even death on a cross. He did this so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and spend eternity with him. And so we who have been forgiven much can honor others who may not be so honorable because we see that Jesus honored us by sacrificing his life for us. Scripture says he did this while we were still sinners, meaning while we were not worthy of honor. We honor because we see how Jesus did it. We follow the lead of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are uh, oftentimes we come to, to parts of Scripture and uh, we read them, and they seem very difficult. For some of us, honoring our, our parents wasn't that difficult. They were people worthy of honor, and they taught us what honor and respect were. Others of us, this, is, this, this has been a struggle. This has been difficult because we've maybe struggled with parents who have not been very honorable. And God, this extends to much further than parents. We've all been in positions where there has been authority over us and it is hard to honor that authority. But God, help us to understand that all those in authority have been uh, put there with your knowledge and your sovereignty. Um, And so God, we honor them. That that doesn't mean we obey necessarily. (laughs) doesn't mean we follow exactly what their lead is. But teach us, God, what we can do to honor them. Maybe that means praying for them. We should be doing that. Maybe maybe that means encouraging those over us, knowing that they're going through things that maybe we don't understand. Maybe that means pulling back and taking a breath before we 
type on social media. God, I pray that we would, uh, we would honor those who have authority over us because we want to honor you. And, and God, you are absolutely worthy of honoring and you've asked us to do this. So out of our love and respect for you, may we honor and respect those in authority over us. May we be people who are honorable to those who are under us. God, for, for us who are our parents, Pray for that wisdom that we desperately need as we try and maneuver uh, the, the, the difficult times ahead. I pray that we would look to you, our Heavenly Father, as an example. And God, we, we pray for our aging parents that we can give weight to their needs, give weight to their counsel, and give them honor in that way. Again, God, we, we want to honor you above all. And even when people are dishonorable, we look to Jesus and see that his sacrifice for our sins when we were dishonorable, when we were still sinners, was just so amazing. And if he could submit to your authority, I pray that we would submit to your authority as well. So God, forgive us when we have lacked humility. Teach us humility, and forgive us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so this morning, we want to give you an opportunity to respond in humility to the authority of Jesus. And we, we want to give you the opportunity to place your faith and trust in him. Confess him as Lord and Savior. Repent and turn to him and follow through with baptism if you've never done that. Or, or you just need someone to talk to or pray with. I'm going to be up here to your right as we sing this last song, and I'll have my mask on. We'd love to have the opportunity to walk you through a step of decision or just pray with you. So we stand and sing.